I don't like YouTube anymore. That's fair. And I realized today that the reason I don't like YouTube anymore is that it's turning into television. What do you mean by that? I mean how YouTube used to be fun because there were like different people bringing different things to the table. And you could discover weird things. And now it seems like YouTube is uh, very intent on deciding for you what you want to watch. I do feel like its algorithms have changed, though I don't watch a very wide variety of things, so it doesn't have very far to, like, wiggle around with me. Yeah. I Well, that's what's confusing me. I uh, It's been getting a little rough lately, and I think people complain about it. <clears throat> but what was really getting me was um, last night I wanted to watch uh, Possibly in Michigan again. And I love to watch Possibly in Michigan because it's a weird short film. But also, it always leads to like a rabbit hole where it's like, now you got to watch this weird video. And you got to watch we, this weird video. We've talked about this video, right? That's that weird um, student film where they sing the song. Yeah, and it's about like cannibalism. Yeah, um, fucking strange thing. So I, I always just sort of, I'll put that on in the background while I'm working. And then mm-hmm. weird things will come up in the background. So last night I'm drawing my comic and I put up possibly in Michigan. And then after that video ended, it's like, hey, uh, Game Grumps. I said, well, no. <laughs> I go back and it's like, what? it will not recommend anything weird. I had to find somebody's playlist of weird videos. Huh. And it dawned on me that it was like, wow, these algorithms are really like, they're getting aggressive where they do not want me watching and discovering new things. They want me watching something that's good ad revenue that will go on repeat. Yeah, like like if I open my recommended YouTube right now, um, one of my recommendeds is How Microwave and Grapes Makes Plasma, which I don't know where that came from. And then I got uh, a Trader Joe's Business Insider video, and I've never watched anything like that. Uh, I guess the, the America's Got Talent thing makes sense because I was watching the Shen Lim guy do card tricks the other day. I got zero punctuation. I'm not sure why. I haven't watched any of his stuff in years. It Some of it seems fine, and some of it seems kind of strange, but like I said, I don't watch... I don't watch weird stuff all the time. I don't have a huge variety, and so... When it's like, hey, you looked at a guitar thing. Here's a bunch of guitar things. It's like, okay, that makes at least some level of sense. Ooh, Sonic Underground Valentine's Day special. Do we? Are we, are we gonna? Are we gonna just do that? Is that where we're going tonight? Because no, but I, I'm excited here. So, anyways, uh, how long is it? What made me realize <laughs> what why I hate YouTube so much right now is uh. I tried watching something else, and then one of the recommended videos was one of those, like, clickbaity things about, like, 15 uh, theories about Pixar movies that will change the whole movie for you. Oh, sure. And it's like, you know, that's so clickbaity, but I'm not doing anything. I'm bored, so why not? I'll give it a try. And it was so... I don't know who this person was or why they had 5 million views, but they were saying absolutely nothing like I couldn't watch the whole video. The first one was about how which movie was it? Um in Wally uh Wally's the last robot on the planet. 
But what happened to his friends? Maybe he killed them all. Is it a comedy video? No, it's not. It was like sincerely saying, "Like, what if, what if Wally destroyed all the other robots for parts to survive?" And it wasn't like based on like here's a clue or here's this one scene you might have overlooked it. And it's like, what, what is the point of this? And then it went to Coco, and the the whole premise is that. Um, like he goes to the, the land of the dead to find his great, great grandfather. And he thinks it's that singer guy, but it turns out that it wasn't that singer guy. But then if that singer guy thought that he could have had, uh, a great, great grandson, then doesn't that mean that he slept with somebody? <laughs> and it's like, y- yeah, that's, that's the, musician. that's the plot of the movie is that <laughs> there's they, a misunderstanding they to do that. It's like it's it's not even a, a crazy fan theory. It's like no, that's literally what the story is about. Is a misunderstanding. <laughs> like yeah. Like I could not understand the only way this guy has 5 million views is because YouTube really liked his thumbnail and his title and it's guaranteed to get clicks and so he got these clicks. Well, I mean, I'd I'm almost curious about like the rest of his channel, right? Like is this his normal video, or does he do something else? Yeah, so that's you know, the how problem. How many subscribers does he have? I, I didn't want to finish the video because I didn't want YouTube to think that I watched it. Because mm-hmm. like all the suggested stuff on the side was like eight things you didn't know about A Bug's Life, and seven things about the movie's ants that they stole from A Bug's Life, even though ants came out first. And it was like all this clickbait garbage of like, here's a thumbnail where there's like a magnifying glass on something in the shot. But it's not actually highlighting anything important. Right. And it's like, ugh. I remember accidentally falling down a, a hole like that with, like, I think the YouTube channel is called Looper. And it was just sort of like five actors that got really mad on set. The, the stories are famous or whatever. And I was like, oh, that sounds like it could be fun. And I watched like two videos and it's like, oh, okay, this is sort of like cheap listicle shit. Some of it's interesting. Most of it's kind of bland. And I think for, like, two months after that, YouTube was just like, do you want to watch more Looper stuff? And it's like, no, I don't. Why Why can't I just make you send me more death metal? Yeah, and there's other stuff that I, I'm subscribed to, and I click the little bell so it'll notify me, and it just decides to not notify me. Yeah, that's been a problem for a really long time. Because I'll, like, I'll discover a channel in my subscriptions where it's like, wait, they're still uploading things? Um, actually, you know what? That happened to uh, Susie. She she up and left YouTube completely. Um, and now she's just doing Twitch because she found out, like after the fact, that <laughs> apparently a lot of her followers were not being notified of her videos. So she thought her viewer count was going down because people didn't like her anymore. Oh. And then it turned out like all these, you know, she started asking on Twitter like, "Hey guys, can you check your subscriptions and see if you've seen any of my videos?" And all the responses were, "Oh, you still upload things? Oh, this is great. I didn't know you're doing Monster Hunter World." And it's like it's so weird how this algorithm works. Yeah, I, l- I listen to the uh, the Jimquisition podcast and they they complain about that. I don't want to say regularly, but enough where I I know it's been an ongoing problem for a while. It's been a problem for Mega sixty four. Um, yeah, they mentioned it in the last podcast I listened to as well that they've had. They just it, they don't make money off YouTube, and also their videos get more views from like stolen videos on Facebook 
where people will like upload a copy to their page. Yeah. And it's like, how is, are you getting more views on Facebook? Like it's, it's not surprising me that someone would steal it, but how is Facebook getting better exposure than YouTube? Like yeah, they're, that's a good they're doing something wrong. If it's working out that way. I have a somewhat related to this. Um, the music competition on YouTube is pretty intense, right? Because there's just so many bands releasing music every day. And you, Facebook hit, hit me in with an ad for this band called Neverlight. And I was like, that's a cool name. I'll check them out. They turned out to be kind of like... I think they call them like goth industrial metal or something. So it's it was like symphonic metal, but instead of with symphonies, it was kind of like uh, synthy stuff and techno stuff. And so it, they got a cool sound. Um, and I looked up some of their songs on YouTube and their music videos, which had some decent money put into them, only have like a couple thousand views. And it's really weird to see, like, okay, this song's maybe not, like, the most amazing thing ever, but it's well put together, it's well produced, the singer's got a good voice, like, they have talent. How does it only have, like, 2,400 views? And it's been out for over a year. Mm-hmm. Like, that just seems really weird to me that people looking for this kind of music wouldn't just get it by proxy because it would be it would fit the parameters of what they're looking for. I feel kind of bad for him too, because it's just like you—you you deserve better than than this. Clearly, like, you know, in the three comments you have. Well, yeah, and that's really the problem is that people that put the most work into something. I'm not saying that like somebody that works harder should just get more views. Like, bottom line is you have to be entertaining. But the mm-hmm. people that have dedicated audiences that want the content and they're waiting for the content, and it's being actively deprived of them in lieu of top 15 things you didn't know about Wally. It's very, um, it, it makes me wonder what, what their strategy is as a platform. Cause the more people recognize this, the less likely they're going to keep using it. I suppose. But if, if half of the people that use the platform right now are kids who want to watch, uh, YouTube streamers, they probably don't give a shit. Well, that yeah, that works for now, but what about the people that make stuff? The thing is, is I don't think most companies are very good at future-proofing or thinking that far ahead. Yeah. Because if they would, they would, you know, we wouldn't have all these video game companies like laying off 800 people. Like Clearly, they didn't plan far enough ahead to realize something was wrong. It, it always seems like, oh, it'll be the next couple months. We'll think short-term. And there's probably people who do think long-term, because I don't know how you could be a sustainable business without doing that. But from a consumer standpoint, looking at headlines and, and seeing the decisions made as, they, as they're as they released, it, it does seem like companies don't know what the fuck they're doing. Did you see the uh, the YouTube Rewind for, tw- uh, for uh, the 2018 one? No, but I know K-pop was mentioned. It uh, it opened just the, the weirdest way where like um, Kevin Smith is there. Or no, Will Smith, right? Okay. Who who hosted? Was it Will Smith? It might have been Kevin Smith. I don't think Will Smith hosted anything. Um, he's there, and he gets a text message that uh, YouTube wants him to host YouTube Rewind. So he's all like, "Oh, cool. Um, YouTube Rewind. Like, what if I wanted to watch something on YouTube? What would it be?" 
and then he walks over to like a telescope because <laughs> he's outside at a, like a park. He's not like at his home or something. Okay. And he looks in the telescope and like <laughs> you see his point of view and long in the distance. It says opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad. Uh um and then it cut to like Ninja from Twitch driving a bus with YouTubers on it. And it's like he's a Twitch star. Like he doesn't make some money off of YouTube. Why is he here? <laughs> it was like and it's just this weird sad downhill from there. Where it gets to the point where like celebrities are trying to do Fortnite dances and it's like not entertaining. And then they make a self-aware joke about how not entertaining it is. And it's like, this isn't worth the joke, man. One thing, um, this is mentioned in a different podcast, but like five to ten years from now, when a lot of these YouTube celebrities like have completely burned out or have been replaced by someone else, I wonder what's going to happen to them. Because I don't imagine some of them have a lot of marketable skills. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, this is the new child star thing. Yeah. But the problem is that we haven't had enough long, like, there's not a point where someone can, like, oh, man, uh, I feel so bad for PewDiePie. Did you hear what he got into? Like, he he was arrested, uh, you know, robbing a 7-Eleven last week. Like, that story hasn't happened yet. And it's going to become a trope that YouTube stars... Um, go down a dark path or something. Um, I, I think there's some of them that are smart enough and they're putting it into savings, but I know there's some of them that are certainly not. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I kind of feel sad for them. Well, that's like the interesting thing with like uh, Game Grumps, right? Is Aaron started off doing animations and funny videos about video games, and then insightful videos about video games too. Now he just plays video games and goofs around. And he's been doing that for a really long time. And it's crazy to think that that's become like a sustainable career for him. But well, the well's got to dry up at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think more of his money comes from like the the storyboard art and the voice acting he does. Okay, he, does he do a lot of that y- stuff? Yeah, he works for Cartoon Network. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, he does voice work and things. But also, he's turned game grumps into a company where like they produce video games now um like they they do like art stuff um like there's a they have an office where they do like actual work but that includes the you know the clickbait revenue from let's plays Hmm. um so like in aaron's case He's actually been a smart businessman about it, or not—not not him specifically, but the guy that technically like oversees everything and helps him with that. Sure. Because Aaron's more of the talent, but also Aaron's making smart decisions by getting the right people to help him through this. Yeah. Um. For sure. They're doing it, real, you know, really well. Uh, <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel a lot worse for like Oni and G. Um. Because like he he kind of went down a similar path as Aaron, where he started doing these little cartoons, but then it's like, hey, we got to step this up a bit. So they made Sleepy Cabin, which is going to be like this improv thing, where they do comedy videos online and stuff and different things. And it was like <laughs> they were they were actually talking about it on one of their let's plays, where um, Oni kind of said like, man, you know, Sleepy Cabin could have been the next Monty Python if we just committed to it. 
and it made everyone like really sad and he was like no I was just trying to be funny but it like made everybody else depressed because it just didn't work out sure I know with um I mean the one guy I had and I've brought him up before but uh goes by Don somewhere on on YouTube and he started off doing my little pony abridged stuff and then he branched out into doing cartoons but he could never release them fast enough to keep a following and so he tried he tried doing other things that were popular but he didn't he mostly just didn't like it like it wasn't what he wanted to do and he didn't want to have to devote most of his creative time to these things he didn't want to do to try and bleed out of a following and so he's largely quit youtube and he does comics for some website now that he posts for i imagine free but it's a shame because like he was really funny and it's just like once he started slowing down a little bit though that it was just every people left but also youtube just stopped advertising his stuff it's like, oh, he's not posting enough for us to care. Right. And it's it's super scary the way that uh, you can kind of get promised. Um, the, there's like an implication. And I know like there's a lot of kids that will watch Ninja or they'll watch PewDiePie and they think that this is a viable career choice. Yeah. And for a lot of people, just reality doesn't set in until it's maybe too late. I feel like that can be with anything. Oh, though, there's right? a like, bunch of things. It's it's the classic thing of like I'm gonna go to L.A. and be discovered, and I'm gonna you're you know you're gonna see me on the silver screen. Like that's that's kind of always been a thing. You can get stars in your right. eyes. It's just the thing kind is, of is YouTube. The co- the starting cost of is really low. You just need a, a either a video capture system for your computer or like a cheap ass camera or something. You don't need you don't need a lot. But they also try to start a YouTube channel. Yeah, but they also make it look so easy. It's not just like the low dollar value, but it's like I could just talk with my friends while I play video games, and then and Game Grumps gets like two million views or whatever. And it's like, well, I could do that, and like it's a it's worthwhile to try. But a, there's there's like these really sad Indiegogo pages where it's like, if you just guys give me money, then I'll just this will be my whole career. And they're yeah. they're planning out how the rest of their life is gonna go now that they learned that you can make a living off of playing Skyrim, and they never actually look into the reality of it. They don't consider that maybe you have to be charismatic or entertaining in the first place. Because that was a thing with with Game Grumps is Aaron and John came into that with followings from their personal videos, right? And so that was almost like a super group for Let's Plays because you have like these two guys that are really talented that people like. And then they become friends and are funny while they play video games. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't like Let's Plays. Like, traditionally, I don't want to watch someone play a video game. I was listening to Aaron and and John talk. Yes. It was basically just a podcast that was on YouTube, so I could have it on in the background while I'm doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of became the popular format, where that's what a Let's Play is now. But it's weird. (laughs) Like, I... I think it's weird how um, we'll take our podcast. We do it because it's fun. We don't, yes. we don't, you know, get a money. We're not going to become podcast stars. Like we don't have a roadmap of how great opinions are cheap is going to be 20 years from now, you know? And there's a certain level of like, you know, you think back to the first episode and what if we actually had started something like that? We go, okay, let's invest in some good equipment. We'll, we'll find places to buy ad space on. We'll promote this. Like it's a business versus sharing it to our Facebook friends and hoping a handful of them give a shit. 
but I, I don't know. I like I prefer to just like this is fun to me, and so it's I'm fine with it just being fun to me. And if like a handful of people listen to us having a t- good time and enjoy that, like that's cool. But I also don't pay to host this show as you do. Yeah, and if we get to a point where this isn't fun to talk anymore, because um, honestly, the whole reason we started was we talk on Facebook a lot. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was your idea or mine, but one of us just said, like, why don't we just record it once and just turn it into a format? And it's become a fun, like, talking exercise to have a topic. And it's like, hey, let's just let's focus on this thing. And it's almost like a party game where we draw a random topic and the goal is to talk about it for an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that you and I can both appreciate. Yeah. If this were to stop being fun, we could just stop doing the podcast and be okay. If we had a million followers and I was making money off the ad revenue, I'd probably like tough through it and stop having fun before I end up cutting it. I mean, you that know? happened with the uh, the two best friends play, right, or the super best friends or whatever they were. Yeah, where like, it just became a point like, yeah, we aren't friends anymore, so we're stopping the show. And it's like they have a huge, pretty big uh, following, and it, people were pretty stunned about that. And I, I, of course, heard it on the grapevine because I don't follow what them fangled kids say do. But it is, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, uh, if some of the podcasts I follow and really listen to and like a lot, like, if they were just like, hey, we're quitting now, I'd be pretty sad. Actually, that happened with the Dismal Jesters. I fucking love that podcast. It was super funny. But uh, they had to, for very for personal reasons that made a lot of sense, like, they had to quit the show, and, and, and then Jim started the, uh, the Jimquisition, where now it's more about video games. That's fun, too, but I miss the Dismal Jesters, where it was just... Like the raunchiest, dumbest humor for two hours. Oh, dude, um, Screw Attack. Yeah. D- didn't they just like delete the whole YouTube channel without telling anybody? I can't remember how they got rid of their stuff. I just know Mega Sixty Four made a comment on it because they they had I don't know if they had a beef or what, but it was sort of like, hey, Screw Attack's gone. We're still around. And I remember uh, they when G Four was canceled, they're like. G4 is gone. Mega 64 is still around. Because they had tried to be on G4 at one point. Right. And and G4's response back was like, we don't see this having legs past one season. Yeah. And it's and they're still fucking still going strong. Yeah. It, it, and it, it's the same thing with a lot of these websites. It was this weird week, um, maybe a month back, I guess, where like three different websites all just completely shut down within a week. And Rocco kind of, he was making jokes on Twitter, but at, at the <laughs> at the third one, he's kind of like, you know, I kind of don't want to joke about this anymore because it's sad, but it's also weird how all three of these companies told us that we'll never make it and our comedy doesn't have any value, and then they're shutting down and we're stronger than ever. Like, they just hired Garrett on. They're literally expanding. Yeah, which is which is really weird to me because... Garrett's been on the podcast and part of their crew for, like, since I started paying attention. I just, he oh, was, yeah, like, I guess he was just the one that had a day job. Well, yeah, I mean, back in, like, season two, um, they all had day jobs. Like, this was a thing they did on the weekends when they could make time. Sure. And it got to the point where, I think at the end of season two, they're like, hey, we can make this a full-time thing. And a couple of them, I think it was just a... It was Rocco and Derek quit their day jobs and like, we're going to commit to this. And a few months later, Sean got the point where it was like, yeah, you know, I'm into and he quit his day job and they commit to it. 
And um, it's it's weird how it's like this scary kind of leap of faith where it's like if I was in those shoes, I don't know if I could have done that. Right. Um, but they they know what they're doing. They're doing fine. But it's interesting to kind of follow them over the years. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, Joe Joe had that with uh, with our game company, Dual World Software, where it got to a point like if we wanted to finish this game in this lifetime, he would have to work on it full time, and so he quit his day job, which was, you know, uh, stable, and we we turned out the game, and it turned out to not pan out, and so he's got another day job again. But there was a lot of a lot of stress involved, especially when we realized, oh, we're not going to make a, a return investment on this project unless some really fucking weird stars align, which they haven't yet. And now you've got to find a job, and you're, this is on your resume for what you did the last year and a half. I said, oh, I worked on this video game with my brother. How does that... I don't know how that looks on a resume. Like, some people will be like, that's weird. Other people are like, wow, this guy, he, he fucking goes for it you know like you, you don't know how people are going to read that and yeah yeah it's uh, honestly there is there is a big plus there that you committed to a project for a chunk of time mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're short-sighted you can kind of take that the wrong way but some people are for sure it rooster teeth have been an interesting one then where they've only gotten bigger they keep hiring people and they're fucking producing like their own anime now and some people don't like it and i don't watch it because i don't really care but like, that's insane that the, the people who started off doing, like, jokes in Red vs. Blue Blood Gulch have now produced a movie, an anime, and they're gonna be doing another anime. And they got, um... Oh, who... I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is doing, like, voice work for him. And it's... It blows my mind, like, to follow... Because I've listened to their podcast for so long, so I've really followed their growth to an extent and it's, well, yeah, it's I mean, crazy what's weird is you, you watch those like first red versus blue videos like in a time that predates youtube you had to like download the wmv file off of their yeah. website and like you fast forward a little bit and i saw a red versus blue dvd at walmart yeah my brother has like the 10 season blu-ray collection or whatever and it's like wow i <laughs> And this goes back to what I liked about YouTube was that there was stuff that I enjoy a lot more than anywhere else. Like Tamers One, Two, Three, Four, Five makes me laugh. And if I turn on the television right now, the best Simpsons rerun won't make me laugh out loud. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's kind of like I, I'm glad that there's a format somewhere where people can go out there and be creative and do new things and push envelopes and things. But then it's like it's like YouTube got too big for its own good and turned into this faceless corporate entity that wants to make everything as safe of an investment as possible. And it's like yeah. that's not I, how you got here, man. I definitely I use YouTube differently than a lot of people who are just like I want to watch weird videos and see what I find. Whereas I'm usually on YouTube looking for something kind of specific, and sometimes that leads to weird videos, and sometimes it just leads to frustration. But I was having like computer problems the other day with uh, my my music software, and so I'm trying to find a YouTube video that can explain how I can fix it. And I couldn't find one, but now I'm getting a lot of videos about, hey, look at these things you can do with this program, or look at these add-ons you can buy. And it's like, yeah, no, the ship sailed, it's still broken, I did a system restore, and I fixed it that way. Which was cool, (laughs) because I was really pissed off. Um, or, I don't know, like, 
watching Bob Ross. I watch Bob Ross still every once in a while just to kind of like unwind. And it's it's cool when I get like YouTube's like, hey, do you want to watch him again? Because it's usually like, yeah, I do. Or if not today, tomorrow. And so sometimes the, the, the metrics really work for me and other times they're just like, hey, you want to buy Shreddage 3? And it's like, no, I bought Shreddage 2 last year and it was expensive. I'm good. I, it's not it's not like a fucking iPhone. Oh, I just remembered uh, on the topic of like independent entertainment. Uh, Neil Breen tweeted something interesting. Oh, when's his fucking movie coming out? Well, that's the thing. He tweeted a few questions asking people like, "Hey, what's a good um like does anyone have a recommendation for a good DVD distribution platform?" Because he wants someone to actually like sell his DVDs instead of him setting up a website and handling it himself because he's not good that's at that. That's fair. Like he historically, he's not he, good at making movies either. Yeah. But oh well, yeah, but also like you pay thirty dollars for this terrible movie and then it never ships. Sure. Um, that's a <laughs> that's a problem. I think I think people pirate his movies more than buy them, partially just because the, the shipped movie never shipped. So uh, he's looking into getting someone that can actually do it, which is cool because it means we'll probably be able to get Twisted Pair. Uh, but it also means. Maybe I'll buy some of his other movies, because if it's set up correctly, I wouldn't mind buying it. Sure. Um, I really like Faithful Findings. <laughs> it's just so I, don't, I don't know how. <laughs> God, that movie! I'm so happy we watched that movie because that's like a memory I will take to the grave with me because it won't go away no matter what I try. I think. Like, I, I think. Um, my brother tried to show it to his wife. Oh God! <laughs> and she she doesn't like bad movies, so it wasn't like you got to watch this. It was kind of like you won't believe how bad this is. I want to show you a couple choice scenes. Mm-hmm. And what was really funny <laughs> was um, uh, I don't remember what it was. And she it's like she did not appreciate it, but it clearly stuck with her. Um, because it, this was like a year after the fact. And I, I don't remember the context, but like she, she had a notebook, uh, she had a notebook in her purse, um, and she got like a new pen, like someone handed her, uh, like, oh, uh, hey, do you want this pen? She's like, oh, sure. So she pulls out her notebook and she opens it and she, she writes with it really quick. It's like, oh, this writes really well. And then I looked and she wrote, it's a magical day. <laughs> <laughs> and like that was her go-to was to just spread that on the first page. And nice. it's like, yeah, there's something about Neil Breen's art that it's it's clearly independent and amateurish, but in a way that's distinctly his. And I really have to give him credit for that. I mean, oh, he's he's I like, super respect Neil Breen. He's like the live action Tamers one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, except I can actually watch <laughs> Neil Breen. I don't. Know, I have this Tamers video like loaded up and ready to go if we end up trying it but i have a feeling you want to watch that by yourself and i'm appreciate looking forward that. to watching it how, how long ways is it? that i won't it's like 20 fucking minutes oh it's a full episode <laughs> yeah so so this like, is another if it thing was six i'd be like let's go for it but that's another thing with tamers is that he puts out a lot of content where what's really sad about this is that like he he made a full episode like this could air on adult swim and i don't think people would bat an eye at it yeah <laughs> it's well did you see that new show that a little swim just put out uh no what is it it's um it's weird it's like it's based on a tabletop game or a video game like as the premise 
Hmm. So it plays off of these weird tropes of uh like how like like old Elder Scrolls games. Okay. Shoot, what is it called? Um Adult Swim Uh Tigatone. Let me here's the trailer, I'll send this to you. Okay. So What the fuck is Rick and Morty? I want another season of that. I don't know. So the fans can be obnoxious and then make me not want to say I like Rick and Morty. Yay, we did it. Okay, Tigtone <laughs> on Adult Swim. Should I look forward or are you going to send it to me? I did send it to you. Oh, uh, I don't see it. Ah, I sent it to my good friend Jaime. Because <laughs> he sent me something and I responded to that. I feel like I don't smoke enough weed for Adult Swim content. Yeah, it is kind of like a a stoner paradise now, isn't it? I feel like it's been for a while. It's like, hey, we're just gonna be weird for the sake of being weird. Like, I remember even watching like I remember Aqua Teen Hunger Force is definitely like you you get stoned and you watch this because the cheeseburger and the milkshake are talking. Yeah. And then um, they had, like, Squidbillies, which was fucking stupid. But I imagine it was pretty funny if you were on something. And then, what, they had Tim and Eric, right? Yeah. Which I don't know how that could be watchable even with when you were stoned. Like, that was just dreadful. Um, so, so I like um, I like Tim and Eric. is okay. But what I, I... I really liked Tom Goes the Mayor more than the Tim and Eric show. You tried to get yeah, I tried that one too on your recommendation. Yeah, you didn't and I think care I got about it. six minutes in and yeah. had to tip out. And it's fair because I don't think it's for everyone. Um, but like that being said, what I liked about Tom Goes the Mayor is that there would be a plot, and it was also like adults or not um like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's these really short episodes, so they have a thing. You know, there's going to be an ending. So when you're like six minutes into it. It's kind of like, well, I may as well see how it ends because it's halfway over. Sure. <laughs> but it's also, I don't know, it, it was weird for the sake of being weird sometimes. And, and sometimes that's fine, right? Because well, yeah, and it can there's be... so much like basic bitch. Like, okay, I really liked Family Guy on Adult Swim because I was that kind, you know, I'm that kind of person. Like, old Family Guy will still make me laugh. I'm not going to, like, not admit to that. But. I know it's like it comes up on the comics podcast a lot where we read so many comics that when one comes out that's just like kind of weird for the sake of it, it's almost refreshing because it's like, oh, they're doing something different. Thank Christ. I, I guess I have less of a tolerance for that on TV. <laughs> I don't know why, but I apparently do. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a difference between um, not meeting your expectations and. Uh... And just purposefully being odd. Sure. Like, you can be surprised that something didn't play out the way you thought it would. But if it's like, hey, what if there was girl Ghostbusters? And it's like, okay, that's not that's not enough of a hook to carry an entire plot. 
You know what I mean? I like that movie. I do too because it was there was a movie to it. Yeah, there was. But it's like the marketing was kind of like, hey, it's girls now. It's like okay. Um. Oh, I saw I saw the Lego movie too. Oh, how'd you like it? Um, it was fine. It was uh painfully predictable. That's a bummer because I feel like the first one was pretty refreshing. That's the thing. The first one was kind of brilliant. And I I don't know if I want to call it a twist, but I like the point where it's just it they're playing with Legos. Yeah. And that's the reality is that this is what Legos is. And with this movie, since you kind of know that going in, there's like too much of that. Oh, and sure. It, <laughs> it takes away from the charm of that kind of funny twist at the end of the movie. Honestly, I was kind of hoping they would continue on with like kind of like the Lego Batman style thing because Lego Batman was really fucking fun. Lego Batman was good. Um, I liked Lego Ninjago. I didn't watch that one. I was told it was a very good Power Rangers movie. It it really was. Um, it's like the weakest of the Lego movies, but I still put it above you know other kids movies. Sure. But with uh with the Lego Movie Two, it was like it was so clear at all points. That the bad guys were the girl toys that the it's oh it's a sister playing, oh and it's so clear that oh all this conflict is because the brother and the sister fight because they're siblings, mm-hmm. and it's it it's presented towards the end of like see this is what the movie was really about and I'm pretty sure a kid would see it coming and it's not just me who's seen a bunch of movies, right like it was it was really really handholdy and really transparent the whole time. And there's a couple, like, clever characterizations. Um, are you ever going to see it? I don't know. Um, I've heard a couple good things about it, and then I've heard a couple bad things about it. I and mean, it's one of those movies that didn't need a sequel, so I'm not really interested in I, seeing this, it. This might, this kind of spoils it. Um, That's fine, go ahead. So, like, heads up to anybody, like, skip ahead 30 seconds. Um, but the, the main, like, the leader of the girl toys was this like queen that le- that lives in space. Okay. And when they they finally like meet the queen, she's this like shapeshifter and she keeps talking about these plans and she keeps like promising everybody like their wildest dreams. So it's like they get the space guy and she's like, "Well, over here, look, there's a whole planet of just spaceships." And he's like, "Okay, that's great." And then it's like, "Hey Batman, um he- here's the deed to everything cuz you're so rich, so we bought everything for you." And he's like, "Okay, I like it." And, like, only one character is suspicious of it. So then they launch into this whole song about how she's not the bad guy. It's like, I'm not an evil queen. I'm actually good. But it's this, like, cute thing where they keep playing off of, like, it's like, I'm not sinister. And, (laughs) like, she keeps choosing words that are clearly negative just to say that I'm not that. Sure. And so it's like, okay, she's clearly the evil queen. That's going to, like, betray everybody. Remember when villain songs were good? Like, well, <laughs> Scar did be prepared. So this is the funny part, is <laughs> at the end, they're like, there's a fight, and the the bad guy general is, like, hanging off the side of the cliff. So then uh, Wildstyle, like, runs over and saves the evil general. And the evil general's like, I knew you weren't a bad guy. And she's like, what? You're the bad guy. He's like, no, we sang you that whole song about how we're not bad guys. Is it, <laughs> and, and they have this like fourth wall breaking thing. It's like, were you being serious? Because it sounded really like suspect. It's like, no, we we're really clear. 
(laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was like, I laughed out loud at that one moment because it was actually like the one time that I was surprised. I remember uh, MLP in one of the later seasons had a joke like that where Rainbow Dash and Fluttershy sang a song. And I think it was the episode where Rainbow Dash got a pet. And they ended and they ended the song and Rainbow Dash was like, I don't know, I'm I'm still not sure. And Fluttershy was like, well, we could sing the song again. <laughs> and I, I remember laughing really hard I at like that because it's just yeah. like, it's like canonically like, oh, these songs aren't a metaphor. They just burst into song every once in a while. And that's the world they live in. Which Wait. makes the smile, smile, smile song pretty impressive because the whole town gets involved, and it's just like, "Geez, Pinky, what did you do to get them involved in this?" Because I bet it was threats. You're kind of terrifying. I'm sorry. I went back to YouTube, and my recommendations are funny. Oh yeah, what do they know? So last night I watched Possibly in Michigan. So mm-hmm. it's recommending I watch an excerpt from Possibly in Michigan. And then Isn't next that movie, like <laughs> ten minutes long. Yes. <laughs> And then right next to that, it's a blind taste test of banquet, um, like pot pie microwave meals. And there's just like there's a question mark coming out of the pot pie, because <laughs> like banquet makes gross flavors, I guess. Like what? What? It was like it's either gonna be chicken or turkey. I don't know what the surprise is gonna be. Yeah, it's a twenty minute video. Jesus, can I click on like I'm not interested on this? Not interested. Click. God, I watch one guy do card tricks, and YouTube's just like, I bet you want to watch that same guy do a bunch more card tricks. <laughs> yes. And it's like, maybe, but I wish you wouldn't assume that. I don't need to see that many card tricks in a day. Like, ten minutes is good, and I'm good for like a week. I, you know, I like card tricks. I saw an interesting one on a, uh, I guess there was a kind of a game show or a talent show where you're supposed to do a magic trick and fool um, Penn and Teller. Yeah, this is where uh, Shen Lim got his start. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same guy. Was it the guy with the, um, the, the phone charger? Um, I don't know if he did anything with a phone charger. Was there smoke and music? No. Okay, no, um, so this guy, he actually had a clever bit, and he has a really good voice, and he actually does voice work, like he's done commercials and infomercials and things. So he works that into his comedy routine, where he came out and he talked about how he has this great, uh, you know, he has this great voice, um, but like he always thought that he'd get into like dramatic acting, but really all he's saying is, your call is important to us. And he keeps like playing off of that and he goes into this infomercial thing where he's talking about some stupid gadget that you don't really need, but he has to talk about it like it's exciting. So he talks about this phone charger and he has this product come out and he pulls it out and it's this like little tiny uh, iPhone charger. Um, And he says what what's like the, the whole thing is like, oh, is your phone charger too long? Well, you want this small one. And he's doing like a goofy sales pitch. But it turned into, like, a rope trick routine with the phone charger where he would, like, pull out, (laughs) like, it would, out of nowhere, the the wire would get longer, and I don't know how he did it. And then he would, like, literally take out scissors and cut it so it can be as short as you want to. And he'd cut the phone charger, and then it's still, like, there, and it's small again. 
and like the excess was now tied in a perfect thing, which is hard to do with the rubber wiring. Yeah. And he he finishes it by cutting it, and he makes a short length one, and he hands it to Penn and Teller, and he has Penn take out his phone and plug it in, and then he plugs the charger into Teller's hand, and it charges the phone. Jesus. And he, he left the cord with them, and they could not figure out how it was working. <laughs> so it was, like, it was like, hey, you know, that was a really good magic trick, because so they don't know, but it was also just really entertaining how... Like, no one does rope tricks anymore, but now sure. everybody has these wires around their house, and it's like, well, doing rope tricks with these very common household wires is actually a really, like, relatable, engaging way to present these classic tricks that are kind of tried and over. Yeah. And they kind of just applauded them for bringing that back to life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Remember they had one guy on there that he was definitely more a comedian than a magician, but he came out. He was dressed like a dragon, but like a really shitty dragon costume, like uh-huh. it was like a like a onesie kind of thing. And his act was really funny. He was a really good comedian, and they're just like, "Yeah, we know how you did all your tricks." And there's a certain level. It's like I don't know why this guy is on here, other than probably like entertainment for the audience. But Penn and Teller seemed like not amused. Mm-hmm. And they're they can be hard to entertain sometimes. <laughs> Mm. which i mean they're they're like you know masters of their craft kind of thing and so when someone is like i'm a comedian but i use magic to help tell my jokes i don't know how they view that because maybe that's like hey you're not using magic in the way we like or want and i'm totally putting you know words in their mouth maybe maybe they think it's fun i don't i don't know they just didn't seem like as amused as i was at any rate Mm -hmm. whereas i was like this guy's pretty funny I feel like his shtick would get old after maybe 25 minutes. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and, you know, that's something else I've thought about. I was talking to Matthew about this. Like, I have these jokes sometimes that would totally fit into a stand-up routine, mm-hmm. but I don't have a stand-up routine. And it's like, well, maybe I should just actually start collecting these and make one. I tried to do that once, and um, it didn't last very long. Yeah. I don't know if I saved it. I don't picture myself committing to it. <laughs> like, realistically, I have other projects I care more about. Yeah. But it would also be interesting to actually just go up to a stand-up night one night. Um, You know, just a little thing with an open mic and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, my sense of humor is not for everyone. So, <laughs> right. like, I don't know if I want to go to, like, the cheapest bar in town and with a bunch of depressed people. And uh, describe how, you know, interesting my Warcraft fan fiction is. Right. Um, I remember the the times that when I was, like, watching a lot of comedy specials, there was sort of like, oh, I should, I should try and write a 10-minute stand-up. That would be fun. And then you sit down to do it, and you're just like, oh, writing jokes is actually really hard. If you don't, if you're, like, I can write jokes through characters pretty well. If I'm writing a book and I have the funny character, I can make that work. Or if I'm riffing on something someone says, um, you know, you're in a conversation, you make a dumb pun. Like, I make, I can make people laugh, but to, like, go up on a stage with just a couple note cards and be like, these are the jokes I wrote. I hope you think, like, I, this, I just don't think I could do that at all. Like, I don't have that in me to do it. I wish I was Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Because I want to, like, walk out on stage and people clap, and then I'll go... Hey, I'm I'm not very good at what I do. 
and then everyone will clap and it's like ah it's funny because he's he's very bland yeah. But I feel like there's only so much room for that, so I can't just start doing Norm Macdonald bits. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> my un- my sense of humor is weird. He has a great special on Netflix, and he tells the dumbest joke, and he tells it in the longest way possible. Like <laughs> no one else can tell this joke. <clears throat> he he was telling a joke about how he's he's reading the Bible and he's starting to take the Bible seriously, but those Ten Commandments are really hard to follow, like that one <laughs> that says to not covet your neighbor's ox. Um and and wouldn't you know it, my neighbor got this ox and it's so much better than mine, and mine's all sickly and his is strong and he does this like it's like a five minute routine about this, and it's basically just a not funny joke. But he delivers it so perfectly in his style that it's hilarious. And I don't know how he does it. And I don't know how he comes up with this. And he's like, oh, this will work. I'll say this on television. Yeah. I feel like um, Lewis Black is kind of... That's it, right? Lewis Black? That's one of them, yeah. Yeah. He, he feel, I feel like he's kind of the same way. Where like He basically just like... He, this thing upsets me. I'm going to scream about this for five minutes. And I feel like anybody else would just be like, wow, you're like just an angry old man. But he, for some reason, he does it. It's like, man, you're really funny. I can well, listen to you all day. Yeah, he's funny when he tells jokes. I think he got in the habit of just saying, like, I don't like President Bush. And everyone, like, claps. And he says, President Bush is bad. And everyone claps. And it's like, it gets to a point where you can you can use that as a segue. And you can play off of it. But, like, I have one of his specials, and that's like, 90% of the entire CD. Oh. And it's it's like it if it, it was how to put it's not that it didn't age well, but when it was topical, it was a lot more funny than it is now. Like sure. if I were to give this to a college student now who doesn't know who President Bush was, right. They're, they're not going to remember uh the dumb thing that was, you know, quoted on the Daily Show the night before I listened to this CD the first time. Mm-hmm. Um. It, so I guess yeah, maybe it didn't age well is the right way to put it. Comedy has comedy ages really fast already, and I feel like if you're doing a lot of political jokes, those are going to age even faster. Yeah, but he does this joke about uh, candy corn and how he has like Alzheimer's or something because every Halloween it comes around and he sees oh candy corn, corn that tastes like candy. I can't wait. And he'll take a bite <laughs> and be instantly reminded that he doesn't like candy corn. And it happens every year. And it's, that's still, that's very funny. <laughs> that's like still a good routine. He could tell it today. Yeah. It'll be funny. But candy corn is forever. Whereas no one gives a shit about George W. Bush anymore. Right. Have you seen this? He's paintings? just that dopey dude that makes paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and people are like, Oh, we can't hate Bush. Look, he's painting now. And it's like the dude started like, Two unnecessary wars and he's was drawing his happy little towers. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we spent a while since we've had a nine eleven joke. Oh boy, <laughs> I heard a good nine eleven joke the other night. Um, what <laughs> was it? It wasn't a funny nine eleven joke, but it was like the whole joke was like, "What year is it? Is it two thousand one? Did the towers just fall again?" And it was just weird escalation of whatever they were complaining about. 
Sure. It was like loading screens in a video game or something stupid. <laughs> and that's what kind of made it funny. But it was like, man, I'm I'm kind of glad that enough time has passed that we can kind of like laugh without feeling too guilty. Mm-hmm. Humor is really weird because, I don't know, I have this, I have this problem with, with opinion, or, uh, the comics podcast a lot where I, I wind up cutting jokes I made because sometimes it's because they're not funny, but other times it's just like, I think that would offend more people than it'll make laugh, even though <laughs> the intention is to make you laugh. Like, I'm not trying to be offensive, but sometimes saying offensive things is just funny to me. Like, today at work, um, I'm talking to my boss about my neighbor's annoying children, and and uh, he's like, you know, what you could do is he, he made a joke about poisoning them, but like throwing like poison candy out on the yard and, and be like, hey, you're, you should be careful. There's poison candy out on the yard. Don't let your kids out. And I was like, no, the kids aren't out enough. I'd have to go in her house, throw the poison candy and be like, hey, you should be careful. I put poisoned candy in your house. <laughs> and and so we're riffing on this and freaking like the head of HR walks in to his office and like hears me say this. She's like, hey, Chad, what you what you talking about? I was like, oh, you know. Poisoning my neighbor's kids, committing crimes. How you doing? And I just like walked away. And like to me, that's really funny. And to her, she's probably just like, "Do I have to like do something about this?" Which she didn't. Yeah, I know there was a joke the other day. Someone said at work that was like, it was one of those things that it's inappropriate if the wrong person hears. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was kind of funny. But what? Oh shoot! What was it? Now, I'm hoping I didn't say that too loud, and she, because you know she's like lives in the fucking floor above us. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's called tagging the joke. It's fine. Oh, uh, one of the guys I work with, um, like a contractor. Uh, he's uh, he's gay, and him and his husband, um, their visas expired, so they're te- they're temporarily back up in Canada while they get like some paperwork sorted out cuz it, it's complicated. It's not even the the US one, it's the Mexico one. So they have to get paperwork in Canada taken care of so they can go to Mexico and then they have to live in Mexico for 3 straight months and then they can come back to the US. Huh. Which is a little weird. But anyways, he's like he's gone and somebody made a joke that was like a poor choice of words. Um, that kind of got turned into a uh, "it's funny that he's gay" joke, and it wasn't like a, this like spiteful thing at his expense, but it was like the kind of joke that you can't say if he's around. Yeah, and it was one of those things where like one guy really thought it was funny, and the other person they didn't think it was that funny, and I'm just kind of sitting here like going into like the philosophy of humor and thinking it <laughs> like I was way overthinking it. And it was it was literally like more of a pun than anything. Like it wasn't even like a joke. Sure. But it was like it got me thinking about stuff, <laughs> just because I like to dissect these things and like how would I have phrased that better? And how, if I if I was tempted to tell that joke, how could I tell it with him in the room and get away with it? Um, because it's kind of hard because he's one of those guys that always has a stick up his bum. Oh. Um, but not you mean in a, a good dick way. Up his bum. Yeah. Um, see, that's the joke I couldn't make if he was around. Yeah, that was along those lines, but that's that's the kind I would probably remove if I were editing the podcast. So I don't know. I don't know. I miss um. It's weird because I didn't think I'd miss him because sure. he he annoys me with his 
He's so like micromanaging is a understatement. Oh, like he has to get fully involved in every single thing he overhears, like things that are not his responsibility. He starts getting involved in. That would be annoying. Yeah, but now he's not around and no one's doing anything. It's like well, we need to get him back. To- <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so we're fifty-six minutes in. Do you want to pick a topic? Yeah, let's, um, I heard a really interesting comment the other day about, pe- when people say, hey, remember that, uh, the, fuck with, Blazing Saddles, they would never be able to make a movie like that anymore, because of the comedy. Okay. And then someone's like, but they did make the movie like that, it's called Django Unchained. It's got a lot of vulgar stuff, there's white racist people, and then a, a black dude and his white friend to kill them. <laughs> and, while well, like, a lot of people say the N-word. And I was just like, oh, that's true. Certain humor has... You can still do it. You just maybe have to repackage it a little differently. But you can still do it. And I thought that was interesting. Because, like, the dumb fart jokes in Blazing Saddles, you can just always do. Because there's nothing offensive about that. They're just eating beans and farting. But the... Some of the other stuff, it's like... Yeah, like, Django did... Some of those concepts, anyways. I don't know. So, I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Okay. So, I guess this concludes our Blazing Saddles special. (laughs) Yeah. I was was afraid, like, you weren't talking because you're like, ooh, you just said something really offensive. We might have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you said something offensive. (laughs) Um, Never done that. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get a a glad space going. (laughs) Mm hmm. Okay, I am glad that my neighbor, my cool neighbor who beat me in ping pong yesterday, the fucker, he fixed my predator toy Yay. whose leg popped off. And he did a really good job. It's got it's still got its articulation. I got him laying down because he doesn't stand where the fuck all. But um, his, his foot is back where it belongs, and I'm really happy about that. It was just really fun hanging out with my, my neighbors last night. We, uh... Because normally my dad comes over, and it's sort of like he's the one that instigates stuff, but he's been on vacation. Um, and so me and my brother just went over without him, and we played ping pong, and we drank, and then we ended up watching like a couple episodes of The Big Bang Theory and just having a chat, and it was it was a good time. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really like, hey, go check this out or whatever. It's more like, no, I just I had a good time with some people, <laughs> and it made me glad. Now, that still works. Um, I'm glad for my piranha plant amiibo. Because he's my new favorite in Smash Brothers. Piranha Plant's a good Smash Brothers character. He's, he's fun. Or she's fun, I'm sorry. I like I like her. She's my favorite. I liked the idea when they showed that first trailer. I thought, well, okay, this is kind of fun. I like the idea of just a faceless enemy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially one that's traditionally been stationary. So as a playable character in a fighting game, it's like, well, huh, that's that's out of left field. But the actual execution was a really fun character. Yeah. Like, I'm actually kind of dreading when Joker comes out, because, like, traditionally these DLC characters have been balanced very poorly. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, okay, is Joker just going to be completely broken or completely useless? Or, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think... I, has Joker ever been on a Nintendo anything? 
Um, yeah. Okay, because I wasn't sure. Yeah, a lot of people... Well, I mean, here's the other thing. Um, Like, it wasn't the point of, like, Pac-Man and some of these other, like, non-Nintendo characters. Like, the whole point was to open the, the gates a bit. Yeah. Like, you can argue that there was a, a Game Boy Metal Gear game, but really, like, all the Snake stuff is from the PlayStation. Yeah. So it's weird to I would me like... that, like, people get upset that Persona 5, why is that there? And it's like, because people like it and it's fun? I don't know. I know, now that I'm, like, basically fine with them opening the floodgates, I want Tails to show up, and then I want Master Chief to show up so we can finally have Master Chief versus Samus. I want Master Chief versus Mega Man. That one would be fun, too. I feel like Master Chief would have a good kit because of, like, the the Spartan abilities in Reach and Halo 5 and 4. It's like, you could give him neat stuff to use. Well, yeah, that... Uh, but then and, he's got weapons that, too, that would be fun. And I also feel that between, like, how Bayonetta and Mega Man work, where their A button is also shooting... It's like, hey, you know, you could actually build a kit around range. Yeah. Um, I really like how they make certain characters feel like their own character. Like with uh, Ryu, how you can play him with Street Fighter controls and actually reward you with extra damage for doing it that way. Yeah. Like, that's kind of clever stuff. Except um, it fucks up your, like, recovery sometimes. Because it's like, you didn't put it this command. It's like, no, 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 I'm just trying to get back to the stage. Why am I jumping the wrong way? Well, yeah, and but you wouldn't that. you wouldn't do the command when you're recovering. No, no, I'm saying like I I will accidentally do some quarter turn oh, B okay. instead of like just up B because I I move the stick weird and it'll yeah it'll fuck me over. Uh, 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 sorry, but anyways, I love Prana Plant and I love her amiibo because she looks cool. It's a good sculpt. Yeah, okay. I, I think this is a good one. Okay. Should we quit and play? Do you want to play Overwatch tonight? Yeah, I want to play Overwatch tonight. Did you see the new character they're hinting at? I I did not. Um, is there an update? We ha- if there is, then I should probably turn that fuck around. Yeah, there's a new map. Um, But they, they, uh, they hinted something, and all we have is like half of a name and a hint that this person that was named... Uh, is hiding out in Haiti and that's all we know and I just read this Blizzard Watch article about how important it is that this turns out to be a black woman because there aren't enough black people in the game yet Mm. and it's like I feel like you're maybe getting your hopes up really early considering we don't have anything I feel like Overwatch does a really good job of like trying to represent all kinds of people like I thought Arisa was a black lady, but it's not lady enough for people, so they, they want another one. We got that, and then you got, like, you know, the all body types, like Fat-Ass Mercy. She's in there, and people like to play her. Yeah, it's pretty inclusive. Yeah. Um, I like how I like how Tracer is gay and Soldier is gay, but there's also probably a straight character that I can identify with. They just haven't well, been named like- yet. That Tracer and Soldier are gay, and they can they can get together. I ship. No, them wait. Torbjorn. Very cute. Torbjorn has a daughter, so he's the straight representation. Plus, he's kind of like overweight, so actually, I do identify with Torbjorn. So that's cool. I feel like one of the reasons I don't like Steven's mom is because she's 
got a weird body shape. Really? She's <laughs> Yeah, she's so big, it's weird. Well, I don't know why you hate her so much. Her hair is stupid. Wow. Really? Yes. You don't like her hair? I hate her hair. She's perfect. She has the dumbest anime hair, and I normally don't mind the anime references in that show, but I don't like her hair. So, oh, wait, I'm sorry, what what episode are you on? Um, I, they were they went to the motel, and nice. uh, Garnet was upset with herself and split into nice. Ruby and Sapphire. I thought that was really emotional, how, how upsetting it was to her that she was lied to. That episode was great, and it was, for but, a lot of reasons. Yeah, but it was also it was something that I kind of realized that I can't remember the last time that a story articulated um, negative feelings in an accurate way. Because yeah. feelings are complicated, <laughs> and a lot of mm-hmm. times it's like you lied to me. Well, I'm upset, and then it's like this is a sitcom, so there's only 22 minutes, so we have to wrap this up quickly. And they, they treat everything very two-dimensionally, and I feel like people grow up watching television in a way that doesn't um doesn't properly prepare them for how to deal with emotions. And I kind of sure. like how Steven Universe taps into complicated emotions with colorful cartoon characters. You know, it's kind of like Inside Out, but done correctly <laughs> and to kind of explain that things can be complicated. Yeah. And I kind of like that about it. When they when they made up at the end, Ruby and Sapphire, and like started being just like the cutest couple ever, I was just like, "Oh my god, I love these two characters. They're so fucking adorable. It's great." Except Sapphire only has one eye, and that's creepy. Yeah, but Garnet has three eyes. I know, and I they, that's how I, f- I figured out where that came from. But just like any kind of Cyclops thing, typically creepy. <laughs> Uh, so anyways... I'm sorry, That's maybe that's body shaming we don't want to get into on the show. Is, <laughs> is Cyclops are creepy. I like how you, you, you won't stop making fun of Mercy's weight, but Cyclops is, you know, that's too far. I love the Mercy's weight joke. <laughs> but what's really funny is that you'll say that in, in, like, group chat when we get into a game and no one else is in on our joke. I know. And sometimes they'll play along with it and it's like, oh, it's spreading... <laughs> I tried to do that on the six stack we were on with I was with Jean Luc, Alex, and like their friends, and I think what I I'm pretty sure one of them tried to play along with it because he's just like that's a weird thing to say, and everyone else is just like radio silence. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like what what? <laughs> it's like that was funny because because look at her, she's so fat. So anyways, just doubling, I'm just doubling down. Like all the cheeseburgers. Um, not to spoil too much, but you haven't seen what Steven's mom looks like yet. I've seen Rose. No, you haven't. They show her all the fucking time now. She's in flashbacks. Okay, maybe Pearl you have. Really wants to fuck Rose. Well, also she did all the to. time. That's true. They fused. That's the weird thing about fusing is it's like this weird uh, metaphor for like. A physical relationship, and then like Steven fuses with Connie, and they're both like eight. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, um, but it's also not too explicit, so it doesn't. It bugged me at first, but the more I watch it, the more I'm just like desensitized to that half of it. Yeah. Also, I mostly just watch it for show tunes. That's fair. Yay. It's a good show. 
at some point we'll have to do like another version of of the episode on that. This, uh, we'll talk about that again while I'm I'm further in, and it's like I have opinions on this show now. Most of them are very positive. Well, also it's a little more complicated because the I mean <laughs> that first season is like a monster of the week thing, and by mm-hmm. the end it's like more complicated than Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that'll be fun. We'll revisit that later. But okay. until next time, I want all of you uh, Richards out there to pat yourself on the back. And it's it's okay that your wife left you. She'll come back. Jesus Christ. That's our slogan <laughs> when we close the show out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad we're not ending with me saying the offensive thing tonight. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>